inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Snap to Prescott. They blitz him. He throws it left. Lambs in the corner of the end zone. And he walks under the ball. Touchdown to C.D. Lamb. And Schultz is shrugging his shoulders saying that was too easy. Fourth and goal at the one. 31 seconds. Hand off. Gets in. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington. 6'5", 245 pounds, three-time Pro Bowler Cam Newton. Newton's going to run right in the grass, breaks a tackle. McCaffrey, <laughs> Newton, everybody celebrating touchdown right side. It's time for Cofield and Company with Adam Candy and Willie Ramirez on ESPN Las Vegas. Twin Peaks is your Monday night football headquarters for Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is in the mix. Adam Candy, Ari back at our Finley Toyota Studios. It is not a victory Monday for the Las Vegas Raiders. Will it be a victory Monday for the Los Angeles Rams or the San Francisco 49ers? They are your competitors tonight on Monday Night Football. Let's get to what's trending at three. It's trending at three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Willie, what's happening, man? Set the uh, scene for us out at Twin Peaks. Oh, man, it's always a good time every single Monday. Great menu, great drinks, great vibes. All the big screens, right? Monday Night Football. We're down here with tons of prizes. I got tickets to the San Diego State uh, the number 23 San Diego State uh, Aztecs visiting the two-game win streak UNLV Rebels. I got tickets, packs of four down here. I got some tickets to Tape Face. I got T-shirts. I got some gift cards for Twin Peaks to get your first round. And, uh, yeah, it's always a good vibe down here. Love coming down here. The kitchen is outstanding. And we got so much to talk about. And, you know, when you said it wasn't, a victorious day for the Raiders. Will it be? You you sort of teased it, and I get it. It's Monday Night Football, but will it be a victorious night for the undefeated UNLV running Rebels? 2-0 UNLV men's basketball team under Kevin Kruger taking on North Dakota State. This evening, of course, you can always catch all the action uh, here on our family of networks at Lotus. Uh, as I mentioned, it is, for the Raiders, a day of a missed opportunity. Uh, we're going to talk to Adam Hill in about 30 minutes about his impressions of the game. Uh, we've talked to uh, a couple other folks about this as we as we go on in the show. Willie, the Chiefs 41, the Raiders 14. Maybe not indicative of how close the game was in the third quarter. Um, we're going to touch on some of the specifics as we go on. What's going on with Derek Carr? What in the world happened with Deshaun Jackson? But overall, just top level, your impressions of what happened last night? Well, you know, it, it's weird. This is very. This has been a strange team because it's kind of like I take it back to when the Raiders lost to the Giants. Right, the Raiders outplayed them. They had the um, they had the statistics behind them, but. The Giants did all the right things at the right times. The Chiefs thoroughly looked like the better team and was outplaying the Raiders. However, the Raiders were doing things 
at the right moments, coming up with defensive stops to sort of stay in the game. Um, they come out in the second half in that incredible drive, and they uh, Carr hits uh, Brian Edwards, gets the game within three, and the next thing you know, uh, the Chiefs come right back, but it's like the Raiders just deflated from there. Then we had, as you mentioned, the Sean Jackson turnover. And from there, it looked like an entirely different – it looked, almost looked like the white flag was thrown. They just couldn't do anything right. And I don't know what's going on with Derek Carr. I can't figure it out. I'm not sure if – I'm not sure if he's in his own head, but there's something not right with him. Um, he's not the same guy we saw when Bisaccia took over. He's not the same guy during a couple-game win streak when Gruden was still the coach. The aggressive Derek Carr – that was enjoying an open playbook, that was enjoying going downfield. And I get it, Deshaun Jackson just got here, so the, that downfield threat. But let's be real, the downfield threat with the speed guy is one thing, but when you have a guy like Brian Edwards who can really go one-on-one in man-to-man coverage, and and I would put him up against many DBs, a majority of them, because of his athleticism and his, his length, I just don't see the same Derek Carr, and I'm not sure what's going on with the Adam. On the other side of the field, Willie, we've been looking for the better part of this season on milk cartons, under rocks, behind sheds, anywhere we can possibly put our eyes to find the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And uh, we didn't have to look very far last night. Patrick Mahomes goes for 405 yards, five touchdowns, uh, 35 of 50. They weren't really throwing the ball at deep as much, but overall... We've been waiting to ask this question, so I'll ask you the question, are the Kansas City Chiefs back? Well, I don't think that the Kansas City Chiefs were ever gone. I just think that they were taking a little bit longer to get going. Um, What are they now, six and three? Six and four? Um, And you think about how many games, they, they can still get to 12, 13 wins. So... I think it was more or less them finding their rhythm, finding a groove. Um, Their defense didn't help at times, um, letting teams go up and down the field on them. And I just think that when you succeed the way that the Chiefs have succeeded the last two years, they're the defending AFC champs, you're going to get figured out. You're going to – your system is going – you know, your other teams are going to see how to play and how to defend. Adjustments have to be made. Now – Mahomes looks like looked like the same guy that he's always been, but there were some nifty little plays in which we saw wide open receivers. You know, usually we're talking about Tyreek Hill and his downfield threat with his speed, but in a couple of those dump offs, those were short yardage play touchdown plays where he was wide open because of the way that they ran their scheme, caught the uh, caught the Raiders, you know, a little misdirection. Um, and I just think, like I said, it took some time for them to figure out that other teams have adjusted. And um, so are they back? I don't think I ever made them the non-favorite of the division. I never said, you know, we, we I think that a lot of us said, okay, who is third or fourth? Start there. Is it the Broncos or the Raiders in terms of who's better? And it was a matter of whether the Chargers had sort of made that climb. But then... The Chargers fell off. So 
I don't think that anybody's ever taken the Chiefs out of it. I think everybody's kind of been clinging to that. Well, the Chiefs are going to be hanging around. The Chiefs are going, you know, don't don't count them out just yet. So, at this point, I think it's an emphatic yes that they're reminding everybody we are the five-time division champs. We are the two-time conference champs, and we haven't gone anywhere. I think we'll find out the real answer very quickly here because with the Dallas Cowboys on the docket next week for this Kansas City team, uh, you're not going to have the same uh, soft landing that you got from the Raiders' defense last night. Not that Dallas's defense has been A1 among uh, past defenses in the NFL this year, but I think you've seen that at the high end of its performance, the Dallas offense right now with Michael Gallup back in the fold if they get Tyron Smith back next week, might be yep. the number one offense going here in the NFL. We'll get plenty more talk about what's happening uh, around the league in Week 10. Uh, not as crazy of a week overall, but you know you start to see uh, some teams get healthy, some teams get right, and, and right here in Vegas you're starting to see another team get a little healthier and a little more right, at least in terms of Mark Stone for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, yeah. BGK gets its captain back. They've won three in a row, and for all the injuries that they're still dealing with, as, you know, obviously Pacioretty and Eichel and Martinez and now Will Carrier goes on the COVID list, etc. cetera, uh, Willie, they, they got a boost out of Mark Stone, and they've got Carolina coming in tomorrow night, and looks like the Golden Knights are at least headed in a better direction. Yeah, and here's the thing. No matter who goes now on what list, whether it's an injury list or a COVID list, I think they've proven that – they can get things going. You talk about a three-game win streak, but Adam, since opening the season 1-4-0, they are 8-2-0. There's only two teams since October 26th that has eight wins. There are three teams with 16 points. Toronto and Vegas have eight wins. Toronto, Vegas, and Anaheim of all teams. Gosh, for the longest time, we talked about how bad we felt about John Gibson being the only, you know, the, the star of that team and not having any help, but since October 26th, those three teams, Toronto, Vegas, Anaheim, have 16 points. And back to your point, I think Vegas has proven that no matter who goes on the list, they have figured out how to play with one another. I had a chance to speak with Braden McNabb a little bit, doing a feature on him. But we talked about what's going on in the locker room and the differences between year one and two, that misfit year, the magical year, of course, of the Stanley Cup. And he talked about how the adversity that every team goes through at some point, whether it's through a two-game stretch, a five-game stretch, a 10-game stretch, a month-long stretch, whatever it may be in the NHL, the season is so long, they're getting theirs out of the way now. doesn't mean that they're going to not experience another lull at some point, but in terms of injuries and COVID combined, they're somewhat getting good, getting through it now, and it's helping the younger guys because these are guys that won't be around when Max Pacioretty gets back or when Carrier comes uh, comes off the list. You know, um, when Alec Martinez, who got gashed in the face, you know, Stone's back now. So as guys get healthy, these younger guys, they're getting invaluable experience to start the season. So come February or March or April, if they need someone to step up, they've already gotten that experience early on the season. Twin Peaks on Eastern is a spot for Monday night football. Willie's got tickets to the San Diego State UNLV game and plenty more to come uh, about the Golden Knights. Ashley Vice, ringside reporter, joins us in just about an hour right here on Cofield & Company.
Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. They tried a little razzle-dazzle, get it to Trinity Benson. Trinity Benson running left sideline, knocked out of bounds is DeAndre Swift, and that's it. We got a tie. Two teams will meet out in the middle of the field to say job well done. 16-16, our final score here in Pittsburgh. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Adam Candy, Willie Ramirez, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios, Twin Peaks, the Monday Night Football Spot. Uh, Willie, that, of course, the call from yesterday's absolute beaut between the Detroit Lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers. 16-all was the final. Um, the weather was rough. It was rain, then a little bit of, like, some freezing rain, then snow, and... There are people out there who spent four hours of their lives, at minimum, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers behind Mason Rudolph and the Detroit Lions behind Jared Goff derp their way up and down the field to 32 combined points and not get to see anybody win a game. Uh, Willie, it sounds like a miserable experience. It does. um, But I would like to remind you regarding your... um, Regarding the weather update that you're giving us, that the Steelers have an active cap spending of $149 million. The Lions, $132 million. These are professional football players. And I know when I was younger, the Turkey Bowl, every Thanksgiving, we we would pray and hope that it would be raining here in Las Vegas. So when we get the Nerf football and, and go to the junior high field and play, um, we could slush around in the in the muddy grass or whatever. So, that being said, I get it. Weather can be a difference, but it goes beyond weather. That was an ugly display of football, and I'm not sure where those hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, I know where it's going. I just don't know whether it's worth it because um, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing at the end. And now I will say this, and and very carefully, I'm not gonna. I don't want to make it seem on the airwaves here that I was. Um, Driving dangerously, but I was picking up a colleague. Josh Dubow was in town for the Raiders Chiefs. So I picked him up at the hotel, and I had strategically placed in the car um, the phone on red zone so he was watching the game. And I was listening to it, and then every time we'd stop the red light, we were watching it, and it was on uh, the red zone. And it kept going to that game for obvious reasons. And it just seemed like nobody wanted to win that game, Adam. It just seemed like... It was just an abomination, and I'm not blaming in any way, shape, or form the weather because I think that it was just miserable play. Fair was definitely more talking about the experience in the stands than on the field. Because the, the 200, the 280 million combined dollars, they better go play in a hailstorm, a snowstorm, a dust storm, a sandstorm. They, they better be ready to go through anything short of lightning on the field with those helmets to get out there and do it. But you're right. Uh, that, that was a painful, painful watch uh, with the quality of play in that game. Um, and there really weren't a lot of fantastic games overall yesterday. Uh, bad news for one team in particular. The Washington football team and uh, former number two overall pick Chase Young 
take a real blow. Uh, torn ACL for yeah. Chase Young. Puts a real damper on a Washington win over Tampa Bay, a shorthanded uh, Tampa squad. But, Willie, uh, the Washington football team is making a trip out to Vegas in a few weeks, and uh, you don't wish injury on anyone, but that's certainly a break for the Raiders to not see Chase Young on that Washington defense. It is, but, uh, you know, I think they have bigger problems right now in terms of just straightening out their own problems. I mean, Washington is playing sort of with a, you know, nothing to lose at attitude. I mean, and it's it 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 um, before it's bye week, it lost 24 to 10 at Green Bay, two touchdowns, but they held grip the Packers to 24 points. Uh, then it went into Denver, lost 17 to 10. So it's showing at times, and, and I will say this, I'm going to put it out there, and I know Steve also was in this boat, that at the beginning of the season when we did our predictions, you remember we got the email prediction, um, division champs, wild cards. I had the football team winning the NFC East. I had no clue that Dallas was going to be as good as it was. I had Dallas as a wild card, football team as a division winner. So sitting at 3-6 and six off a win over Tampa Bay, um, got a couple of games to warm up. They're going to Washington's going to Carolina. Then they'll host Seattle before it gets out here. The Raiders better get its act together because it's got its hands full over the next few weeks. And I, and I say that because it's got a tough game against Cincinnati off a of bye week, short week at Dallas for Thanksgiving. Then it'll have extra time to prepare. But if it loses the next two games, Las Vegas will go into that on a four-game slide, and Washington will have the upper hand. Well, for your prediction, for a lot of predictions, counting on the idea of Ryan Fitzpatrick being a quarterback for WFT, and you didn't get more than uh, a half of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's likely done for the season. Uh, Dallas, of course, in complete command of the NFC East. Out in the West, we thought the Seattle Seahawks would be a bigger part of everything, and obviously they've dealt with the Russell Wilson injury. And so when you saw the hype video last week, you thought to yourself, Oh, baby, Russ yeah. is back. Mm. Let's go. Let's mm. get this Green Bay-Seattle game going. Aaron Rodgers coming back off the horse paste. Russell Wilson coming back off the pin the finger. Let's do this. And then it was 3 nothing in the fourth quarter, Willie, and it was horrible to watch. Pete Carroll griped after the game about the referees. Um, look. Every week you can hear gripes about the referees. Pete Carroll says they were such a big part of the game yesterday. They were such a part of the game. Um, you know who else was a part of the game, Willie? Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. He did not look healthy. Mm -hmm. He did not look right. And mm -hmm. for Pete Carroll to be griping about the officials in a game where, to me, Russell Wilson was a far bigger factor in them not being successful seems a little disingenuous to me for old Pete. Yeah, I, you know, the Seahawks have not been – anything special all season and yes they've been they've dealt with the absence of Russell Wilson but even when it started I haven't been impressed with this team and Green Bay is a team that we have throughout the course of the season been impressed with I actually like the under in this game it was one of my three best bets yesterday I got smoked on the Cardinals by the way thought that was a I love the Cardinals, with or without Kyler Murray. It had nothing to do with him. I just thought the defense was going to step up. Um, but I love the under. Did you happen to see the pregame reports and how much snow was there? I was shocked when they did highlights or, or when the game came on. 
and how clean it looked, the, yeah. the, the field. They got it cleaned up. They got it ready. Talk about we went from one extreme with Detroit and Pittsburgh to, you know, they know what they're doing out there, Lambeau. They had that field ready to go. So if there's one place that they really had no excuse with the weather, it was uh, it was up in Lambeau. No, I mean, there was no excuse with the weather. And, and for Russell Wilson, I mean, we got to look at the finger. They gave us a really up-close version of what's going on. Of course, we heard it's supposed to be a six- to eight-week injury, but, you know, Russell apparently is part starfish, and things just regenerate and grow at a different rate for, for Russell Wilson than they do for other people. And so four weeks later, after the injury, he's back in. But you look at how that game ultimately played out, and if you watched it, it's almost even worse than the box score because you saw that Russell Wilson could not locate the football at all. And I mean, I'm talking about wide open throws, 20 of 40, 161 yards, no touchdowns, pair of interceptions, and those interceptions were both in the end zone. So I don't know, Willie, I, I, if, I, if that game was supposed to be the one that convinced me that, all right, maybe there's still a little something left for the Seahawks, maybe they can make some noise in, in the NFC West, uh, I just wasn't able to take anything positive out of it for him. Well, and, and he's not going to be the savior for a passing offense that ranks 30th in the league with 1,018 eight, uh, 1800 yards, basically. 1822 ranks 30th in the league. This is an offense that ranks dead last average time of possession per drive. Two minutes and 18 seconds. An offense that ranks dead last with 5.07 plays per drive. An offense that ranks 30th with 26.9 yards per drive. It ranks dead last, Adam. Dead last. 5.9% of its offensive drives end in a turnover. It's the worst percentage in the league. And 28.7% of its offensive drives end with a score ranked 25th. He is not going to step in and save. It It, it runs deeper than Russell Wilson. They're going to have to fix that entire unit in whatever the problem is because the rushing game is no better ranking 23rd with 898 yards, that is is that offense is a mess. And it's no wonder that it could not get anything generated. Yeah, good stats. Uh, really, really good stats that highlight the fact that uh, it's not just Russell Wilson. It's the play calling. It, it is the fact that they bring in Shane Waldron from the Rams, the passing game coordinator, and the idea was we're going to open it up more, right? We're going to open it up for Russell Wilson. And, and you know what it didn't do? It didn't open up. It didn't open up. It's closed. The, the Seattle Seahawks, most of their season at this point, is closed. Uh, that Not the same for the Rams and probably not entirely for the 49ers. That game is coming up in about an hour and a half. You can join Willie out at Twin Peaks for the football action on Monday night. He's got tickets. He's got specials. Well, he doesn't have specials. Twin Peaks has specials. Uh, get on out there for all the ice-cold beers and the great food. We'll come back. Adam Hill talking a little Raiders football here on Cofield and Company. The Ultimate Sports Lodge, where you can watch every game in HD. The beer is an icy 29 degrees, and the food leaves you coming back for more. Twin Peaks Lodge in Henderson. Play fake, throw back to the end zone, right side, jump, jackpot, baby, Hunter Renfro. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Well, there weren't too many highlights that we could pull from 
last night's beatdown by the Kansas City Chiefs of the Las Vegas Raiders. Of course, you hear the voice of the Raiders, Mr. Brent Musburger, uh, over on Raider Nation Radio, where you can check out all of the action. Raiders will be home again uh, this coming week with a game that is going to be massive in the wild card standings because uh, they lost the ability to control their uh, control their fate in the division by losing 41-14 to the Kansas City Chiefs last night. Did the Raiders, the Cincinnati Bengals, will arrive on Sunday to take on Las Vegas. Our man Adam Hill, of course, is he's there. He'll always be there. He'll be there for you. Uh, I think they were talking about Adam Hill during the Friends theme song. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is that right, Adam? That that you'll you'll always be there for us. Uh, I'll always be there for you guys, but I'm not always there for Friends. Very overrated. Joke. Yeah, I, I I figured that was probably uh, about as much of a softball as I could tee up for. So we we get to uh, we get to t- almost 24 hours post Chiefs beatdown on Sunday night, Adam, and uh, had a chance for the dust to settle a little bit here for the Raiders uh, with a little time passed here. What, what, what are you thinking about what you witnessed last night and what it means for the Raiders the rest of the way in 2021? Wait, has it been 24 hours? I think the, the Chiefs just scored twice again while we were talking. Uh, yeah, and, and Andy Reid just, just relented and allowed them to take the bus lap around Allegiant. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, listen, I think it was an extend, extension of what we saw last week in New York. I just think the team and uh, again, I, I understand that people are going to look at this as excuses or whatever you want to call it, but I don't think the team has had any kind of passion on the field the last two weeks, and I, I feel you know they've been lifeless and, and listless, and, and I, I think everything that this team has gone through, both you know through mistakes of their own and um, complete mess-ups of their own in some cases, um, and some, sometimes not really self-inflicted, but everything that the team has been through the last month and a half seems to have caught up on the field. And they're insisting that they're doing everything the same, that they're preparing the same, um, that there's no change in that regard. But I think it's pretty clear in these last two performances that the Raiders have put out there that it is not the same team we saw early in the season. Now, I think the counter to that would be, yeah, that's the same thing we've seen the last three years. They've been good in the first half, bad in the second half, and it's starting again. And that's fair. But this is a different team. It's a different group of people, a different group, even of coaches. And um, I, I think that everything off the field has caught up with them. Adam, I hate to put the onus on you, but you, I, I brought this up several times, and i in agreement with you that I thought it was the best question of that post-game press conference. And you asked Derek Carr, is this bye week coming at the wrong time because they haven't really had time to sit down and process things they had to – you know, they, they were just going, 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 going after the after the Gruden ordeal. And then they won two straight, and then they got that bye. And, and he said, I have, I have, no, this is coming at a perfect time since I really need to process things, so on and so forth. Because, as you said, they've looked like an entirely different team. And I don't know if it's Passaccia where that adrenaline and enthusiasm, I'm not sure if now he's he's to the point where, okay, now, what do I do for now? Okay, we did this, we did this, now what do I do? And then he's got Bradley and Olsen, and then, you know, he's never really been in this position. So how much do you think that bye week actually hurt them? Well, listen, I think we have to be clear that that question was asked and those, you know, statements were made and that discussion was had before the Henry Ruggs situation, before the Damon Arnett situation. Right. This was right. really 
just in regards to Gruden and yeah. losing a coach and kind of that transition. Um, and and but you're right in you know in that regard that you know after that uh, that game that they really played one of their best games that we've seen. Excuse me, sorry, I had to sneeze there. Um, we saw one of their best uh, games that we've seen from them, and then they go to buy. And and the question that that I asked, as you referred to, was just like, wouldn't you rather just keep playing? Like the way that you're playing, you're just kind of riding this wave, this momentum. And when you don't have a game, when you have a week to sit back and process everything, isn't that a bad thing? And and I think it's easy now to say, yeah, that was that was a bad time. And of course, it was a horrible time for the city and for a family and for a lot of people because the bye week also was the week that the Henry Rugg situation, the David Arnett situation happened. So it was a terrible week in that regard. But I, I just feel like, you know, that when Derek Carr said that, he's like, yeah, we haven't processed this. We're just kind of going. And I think that was what was working for them. Like, don't think about it. Just go. And when they had a week to sit back and think about it, and a lot of other circumstances happened, but that's when really things seemed to catch up with them. Yeah, Adam, I, I think that's, you know, it, it has to be said because you talk about the off-field impact of, of everything emotionally with Gruden, with Ruggs, et cetera, and that's its own animal. And you talk about the lifeless nature of the team. Um, it's kind of come out in the play in another way, too, the on-field nature of the Henry Ruggs situation because Derek Carr's just not throwing the ball deep uh, the same way that he was prior, and you remove Ruggs and you only – uh, see Derek Carr fire it down the field over 15-plus yards four times yesterday. One of them, of course, the Deshaun Jackson play uh, overall. Uh, what do you think about re- the removal of rugs from this offense and their attempts to replace him thus far? It, it, are they not throwing the ball down the field because of that absence? Well, I think it's a big part of it, and it's, it, those looks just aren't necessarily there. Um, and they also, like, even when they are, and we saw yesterday, a couple of times that they did have deep looks, and, and Carr talked about this in the press conference, that, you know, they had deep looks a couple of times and they just didn't have time. And on one case, they were going to a deep look. They kind of had the the, uh, the opening downfield that they wanted, and Carr went to throw it, and it turned into a pop-up because he got hit just as he threw the ball. Um, it's a factor of everything. It's, it's not having the time to do it, and it's also just not opening up things downfield. And we discussed with, with Henry Ruggs when he was there, you know, last year the numbers weren't great, but the impact that he got on the field was actually pretty impressive, especially showed up in Nelson Aguilar's numbers. You know, Nelson Aguilar put up a lot of those numbers because a lot of defenses were so focused on trying to run with Henry Ruggs that, you know, it opened things up on the rest of the field. Um, Rich Versace talked about it today, that Darren Waller is getting so much defensive attention that that's what's opening up things over the middle for Hunter Renfro, for Brian Edwards. Um, those things are open now because of Darren Waller. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have that deep threat popping the top off the defense and and really making that kind of an impact. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. You don't have the guy downfield that you really trust to go make a one-on-one play like they did with Henry Ruggs. Uh, all those are factoring into it. And, you know, I think they need to get to a point where uh, Derek Carr says, okay, I- I'm going to just throw the ball downfield and trust that somebody makes a play. Um, and they also just have to sometimes just – you know, I know he doesn't like forcing things, and, and it's not ideal for uh, you know potential turnovers and, and that sort of thing. But every once in a while, you got to force something just to open open up everything else. Uh, the reason that Darren Waller right now is getting bracketed every single play, and yesterday we saw his lowest production of the season uh, with only four catches for 24 yards. A lot of that is because they're not taking the deep shots, and defenses don't have to respect it. They can just come up on Waller. So even if you take two or three a game. 
at least defenses have to respect that and play it, and and that should open things up, uh, to, you know, shorter field like you want to do. Adam, before this game, um, I had written something and we kind of talked about the rushing game and that maybe it was uh, – Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I saw a tweet from our good buddy Josh Dubow, 2019 first-round pick Josh Jacobs the past two seasons – 27th of 29 in yards per carry, 44th of 44 on converting third and fourth and one, tied for 51st with three runs of 20 or more. Uh, Do we tie this to the offensive line that has continues to struggle as well? We saw penalties last night uh, hurt this team. Or is there something going on? Is is maybe he's just not as uh, as much as – they thought he was. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. I know one of the things that Josh tweeted out was about, um, you know, that not being a great pick. And immediately you saw response after response after response from people um, making the case that you did of, hey, that's the offensive line. They're not blocking. They're not getting them holes. What's he supposed to do? And the counter is exactly. That's why you don't take a running back in that spot. Like, it's so dependent on other things uh, in the lineup. Uh, to, to make that work. There's only a certain couple of players that are dynamic enough to be considered uh, in, in the first round now in terms of running backs, and Josh Jacobs just isn't that style of player. He's not the you know the playmaking wide receiver type of running back that can be lined up in the backfield or out wide and catch 100 passes. He's not that guy, uh, and he's not the complete game changer like Derrick Henry. Uh, so, you know, to, to use that pick in the first round of Josh Jacobs – isn't in the fact that we criticize it. Isn't a knock on Josh Jacobs. It's a knock on the value of a running back overall that is so dependent on so many other things to happen to have success. And right now, it's it's not happening. And I I don't think it's because Josh Jacobs isn't a good player. I think he's a very good player. But that that's not where you draft a running back. And the, the Raiders, you know, are kind of learning that lesson. They're seeing that come to fruition. They're not committed to the running game. They're not blocking it when it is there. Uh, they had a couple of weeks where it kind of was working a little bit better. Uh, but yesterday they kind of abandoned it again. And, you know, that's that's what we've seen far too often in this team. They can't get things blocked, and even when they do, they're not committed to it. Adam Hill joining us here on Cofield and Company. Twin Peaks, the spot for Monday Night Football uh, every single week. Join Willie out at Twin Peaks on Eastern for Monday Night. Rams and 49ers squaring off in just a little bit more than an hour and a half. Adam, uh before we let you get out of here, I was talking to your friend Ed Graney while you guys were on the trip in New York, um, and and I want to make sure you have a chance to present yourself here because Ed was making it sound like you were slandering my hometown. Uh, oh, you guys boy. were up in Westchester. Uh, you were at the Tarrytown station when you were mm. getting back on the train to go into New York City, uh, where you had been. It, was Ed lying? Or, or were you dragging my hometown? Uh, I was trying to bait on so I could really go off about it. Mm. Um, is that are you are you from Terrytown or just that area? Hartsdale, a couple stops away. Okay, um, it's here's what it is. It's mm. not for me. Okay, you know what I mean. All like, right, mm-hmm. I am. I am a city person. I am not cut out for like. It is the definition of what people would call like a lovely area. It seems like a great place to grow up, a great place to raise kids. Um, you know, p- 
picturesque setting. If I sit on the patio and see a deer come by, probably. Yes, um, like, absolutely you might like. see a deer come by. Yeah, that sounds awful to me. Your an- what, oh, you're, oh, now you're anti-venison. Yo, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, if, if it's at a restaurant in a city, that's fine. Um, a what do you have against by, Bambi? Like, I think most people in the world are on your side on this. I think most people would consider that a lovely area. I just mm. wouldn't. It's it's just mm. not what I mm-hmm. I want. You know, I'm almost too suburban now. Uh, out in Sohai, like I, it's close enough to the city, but like I am I am a city person. I am not I'm not about that. Like beautiful, sit on the patio, see the oh the lake. You can hear the sounds coming off the lake. Get get lost. Nobody wants that. I, I just I cannot I could not put up with that now. We were there with Gerard Gallant, who seemed to be really taking to life uh, up the Hudson. Uh, that's his kind of that's his kind of area. Uh, not me. I, I'm more I'm more city guy. I was much more at home in Manhattan than I was uh, in in Terrytown, and I feel like I'm much more at home with like car alarms going off and windows breaking than I am with the sounds of like the the frogs chirping at night or whatever they do. You, you heard it here first. Go break Adam Hill's car windows. Uh, he is our man here on Cofield & Company coming to us uh, live talking about the Raiders and their game on Sunday night. Adam, of course, is right back here uh, with Steve Cofield later in the week. We appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for the time. Well, Adam Hill is officially off my Christmas card list. Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll actually just send the Christmas card from Tarrytown. Yes. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hand off Charles Williams. He blasts in for a touchdown. Williams right up the proverbial gut. And he's in for a score. And the Rebels are a point after away from tying up the game. to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. From Learfield IMG, the UNLV football call from Saturday's dub. It's another one. It's Dub Nation out at Allegiant Stadium. Two wins in a row for UNLV football. I mean, if you get one win... After 700 days, you might as well only wait seven more to get your next. Uh, Rebels defeat University of Hawaii. Uh, we're going to talk in about 15 minutes in depth about that game, but it's not just it's not just those pounding Rebels. It's the running Rebels on the court tonight uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center. Kevin Kruger's 2-0 squad will be taking on North Dakota State. Monday night football action before that, though. Willie Ramirez out at... Twin Peaks on Eastern. Adam Candy, Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Willie, I know you're holding it down with prizes, with uh, with a great spot to view all of the action. TV's all over the place. Good cold yeah. beer. Where I'm sitting at, I got like 24 TVs in front of me. Chloe's waiting for you at the front door. She's going to set you up with the perfect spot to sit. The place is going to be packed, so you're going to want to get down here. And when you get down here, make sure that you come to the immediate right. I got T-shirts. I got tickets to San Diego State UNLV. I got gift cards for Twin Peaks that you could put on your tab tonight. 
I got a couple of shows that I'm giving some stuff away to. Bill, comedian Bill Burr, Tape Face, and you can enter the um, you enter your name to win a pair of hockey tickets. Golden Knights, Henderson Silver Knights. We got some raffle giveaways. Got a lot of good things going on and a great NFC West matchup. It's probably going to be a lot better than the AFC West matchup that I had to sit through last night in person. So get down here to Twin Peaks. I got prizes. I got giveaways. And like I said, make sure you ask for Chloe. She's going to point out exactly where we're sitting, and I'm going to get you your prizes. And then uh, you can sit down, get some ice cold brews, and top-notch kitchen. I ate here. I ate lunch. I was actually down here after the Golden Knights uh, practice and press conference, and I came early specifically to eat here. And you guys know how finicky I am about my food. So um, get down here. It's going to be a good time. What you have? I had... The Cobb salad, recommended by Steve Cofield. And then uh, one of the young ladies recommended a couple of Mondays back the uh, Thai, sweet Thai chicken wings. Mm, so I had okay. a six-piece to go with the uh, the chicken Cobb salad to boost the, um, the protein intake. Fantastic. You know what? Uh, Steve Cofield is dainty if nothing else. And so mm. when he tells you to have a salad, you have that salad. Nobody, and I mean nobody, knows the salads of Las Vegas quite like Steve Cofield. And he got Willie hooked up with that Cobb salad. He had the Thai wings. Very good stuff out there at Twin Peaks. It's been good stuff over at the Thomas & Mack thus far for Kevin Kruger at the start for UNLV running Rebel Basketball. John Sandler will have the call along with Curtis Terry. Uh, as always, here on the Lotus Family of Networks, 2-0 start with North Dakota State uh, coming in tonight. Willie, um, Rebels had a little struggle with Cal. Uh, picked to finish at the end of the Pac-12, the back end, that is, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but got down about nine minutes to go, came back, got the victory, 2-0. Um, what have you thought so far of what you've seen out of Kevin Kruger's squad? Well, I have to be upfront with you. I haven't seen, because I haven't been out there, uh, until I get assigned, I, there's so many things going on in town, as you know, Adam. Right. So I have to go where the uh, paycheck is as a as the uh, Southern Nevada correspondent for the Associated Press. I go where they tell me to go. So I haven't been out to see UNLV yet, but I've, so I've done, had to just read, whether it's Mike Romalo, whether it's Sam Gordon, whether it's uh, listening to Steve talk about it or what he tweets. What I found interesting is when you sent over – our script for tonight, or our rundown, you you put uh, trailing by six late Saturday against worst Pac-12 preseason team. And I get what you're saying, but at the same token, for years prior, the UNLV program might have lost once they went down by six to the preseason worst team in the big sky, let alone <laughs> the Pac-12. So the fact that it... Um, the fact that it's playing with some cohesiveness and a little continuity under this new coaching staff, I think it's something to build upon. And I think that what you're seeing is a great foundation that's been built. What I think that you're seeing is the same energy and positive um, influence that we saw last season with the women's team under first-year coach, then first-year coach Lindy LaRock. They were picked to finish ninth. They ended up finishing second. So... I, you know, I, I have a really good feeling. I had a good feeling um, going into the season. And just off the 2-0 start, just off the way that the team's playing with some tenacity, whether it's up or down, 
And regardless of how you want to look at it, regardless of where Cal was predicted to finish, it's a bigger program than UNLV, and it's held its own. So we'll see what happens tonight. Now, um, our good friend Tyler Bischoff, morning host, right, who knows the analytics, knows the numbers, and if anybody knows UNLV basketball, studies minute-to-minute, probably studies the timeouts as well, um, says this is going to be a big test against the bigs of North Dakota State. What do you know about that team? Most of what I know about North Dakota State goes back to Carson Wentz, so you're, you're, you're testing my knowledge here when it comes to the basketball side of things. But uh, I know that when uh, when we look at what Kevin Kruger's team has done thus far, you see that, as you just mentioned, Willie, a win's a win. What I did like uh, is the fact that the turnovers were fairly limited, 13 turnovers on Saturday against Cal uh, Bryce Hamilton, the shooting got a little better, mostly because the shot selection overall, I think, got a little better uh, for Bryce Hamilton. He goes for 12 points to lead the team. Nuga ends up with 10. Uh, for UNLV, as you mentioned there, with um, with the size, that's part of the issue, I think, for any team that wants to position itself the way that Kevin Kruger has, where you're doing a lot of positionless play. You're doing a lot of 2-3-4 on the court can be just about anybody. Um, and for the Rebels... Whether it's bigs, whether it's smalls, no matter who it is, they, they need fans out there. It's time for, you know, get back out there. Let's, let's give Kevin Kruger a shot. Let's give him a chance to see what's going on. Uh, announced attendance of 4,900, probably a few less than that in the building for the Rebels. Get on out there tonight. If you can't get out there tonight, then uh, make sure, of course, to tune in here on the Lotus Family Broadcasts for UNLV running Rebel Basketball. High school 29 degree beer for under $4 and cheap appetizers all game long. Get down here to Twin Peaks.